Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you, introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute routing in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share Podcast is brought to you by Capita. Capita's software solution seeks to automate the equity management process for startups, including workflows around cap tables, ESOPs, due diligence, and transactions. Sign up at capita.com to get started with your digital cap table, ESOP, award granting, and all things equity. Free for companies with under 25 stakeholders. Also powered by Limitless Connect. Limitless Connect can provide digital CX solutions. The teams of Limitless Connect have years of CX experience, which equip them as the driving contact centers in the future. Sign up for a free consultation with Limitless Connect at www.limitlesscx.com. With Limitless Connect by your side, anything is possible. Also powered by Pod Machine, the simplest way to grow and edit your podcast. Sign up now at podmachine.com and use the code HUSTLESHARE to get one free edit. I can honestly tell you we were failing forward every day. You're always going to get some complaints in there. But I guess we were putting it in very good perspective that it was all about growth. As long as we're failing forward and we're learning a lot from that experience, I think it was okay for us. Welcome to HUSTLESHARE. The podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Beitiong. Welcome to the latest episode of the Hustler Podcast. We finally have the guys fresh from their 1.7, right, right? 1.7 million dollar seed round. We've been hearing a lot about these guys already for the past couple of years, but finally we have the show. Unfortunately, they were supposed to be seven, but it's only five. 
I need to get the three more some other time. But again, before we get carried away, let's welcome to the show, Ochi, JT, Lance, and Ron of Miami. Welcome to the show, guys. How are you doing? All good, Ron. Okay. Very busy. Which Ron? Monster. There you go. All right, congratulations for finally, again, announcing this 1.7 million round for a seed round. And again, been hearing a lot about you and the, the, the farm-to-table concept has been something that, again, presses so many people, hits them hard. Onions is now the new gold, technically. <laughs> But we're going to have to dissect that one by one. But before I get carried away, I need to ask you guys the million-dollar question. Guys, what's your hustle? Uh, as of now, I'm helping the farmers to be onboarded in the platform. Mm-hmm. We're talking about 139,000 plus farmers uh, nationwide. Actually, Luzon uh, proper. Only? From, from wow. regions 1 to 5 as of now. Wow. Including Cordillera region. That's amazing. So, for just those people who have never heard of what Mayani is, JTL, I'll go straight to you since you are the CEO. What is Mayani and what do you guys do? Yeah, well, Ronster, we're, we're essentially an agri-fisheries uh, supply chain startup. Um, so essentially what we provide is that sustainable market access for smolder farmers and fisher folks. Wow. All right. So again, this is something that's been pressing a lot because again, we've had, we've discovered that the real problem in our agriculture country that we have is that from the farmers who's super eager to make sure that our supply chain Or our food supply is covered, just just trying to do their hustle. But majority of the time, they get the short end of the stick, along with the end buyer, because the system is this flawed by design, right? But before I get carried away, before we talk about this, because we can discuss about all of this thing, we have a seven seater, but there's three three seats that uh, that's uh, <laughs> that's uh, vacant right now. But I need you guys to buckle up, because we're gonna have to ride the hustle share time machine. Oh. <laughs> All right, and this is what I want to discuss because again, we have a very big team. Seven, padaw. Okay, <laughs> I thought it was just six, seven. All right, this is more than Thanos's uh, uh, stones as well. But I'll start first with Lance. So Lance, prior to Miami, um, what was your hustle and what were you doing? And I guess what's the skill stack or what are the stuff that you accumulated prior to joining the Miami team? Yeah, it's actually funny because right before Miami, I was actually a fresh graduate, so I didn't know what Whoa. to do. Yeah, I was actually handling our family business of funeral homes, so it's kind of funny that I used to handle the dead, and now you know for the living. <laughs> yeah, so talk about fruits and wow. vegetables, right? Yeah, so well, it actually helped me, you know, dealing with a lot of people, so okay. getting used to talking to different, you know, walks of life. Nice, um, and then of course management skills as well. Mm-hmm. Time management and all of that. Yeah, right. I want to zoom in on the funeral home business because I've had exposure to this with my cousin, mm-hmm. who runs a funeral home business also in northern Samar, mind you. Okay, right. And he used to go and no, till now he goes to Pampanga to get caskets, right? That's true. And that's his ticket to speeding all over <laughs> Slex and then Lex mm-hmm. because and when he gets to the Matnog port. Nobody fucks with him because he's carrying either a dead body <laughs> or freaking gaskets, right? I don't mm-hmm. care who you are, but when that thing comes through, 
you're gonna go through that. But the hustle it involves to make sure that you know the last memory or that experience of someone who's deceased who passes away is properly taken care of is tremendous. And you're right, people skills are top notch because you're always dealing with emotion here. Yeah, true. Walk me through those experiences, and again, how did that translate eventually? When you became chief of fulfillment in Miami, yeah. So before I used to handle everything. So do you also embalm? Uh, I do. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you're a licensed uh, embalmer. Yeah. Wow. That's... Yeah. So well, what's funny is that usually my weekends would be spending it with you know a lot of these families that you know have deceased people oh, with man. them. Yeah. So I would actually drive the what do you call it the caro. Yep. Uh, yeah, I would drive that, and what actually helped me was that. You know, I get to deal with people who are mourning and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then actually with all of the people under me, are these are people who did not graduate right. and all that. So, You're undertakers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. So, yeah, mortuary people. Yep, right. yep. So being able to speak with them on a different level and then speaking again to these families. Yeah, I think that's one of the, what helped me a lot with my aunt. Got it. All right. Now let's go to my my katukayo. There you go. I, I, I'm in love with him when I found out again. He's Ron. And I said, yeah, I'm a Ronald too. Oh my God. <laughs> That's, That's right. amazing. But Ron, again, always weird to say your name in, in, in a third person's uh, point of view. But Ron, what That's was right. your hustle prior to this? Because again, you, again, lawyers. I love working with lawyers because my co-founder, my better half, okay, my co-founder for life is Mr. Joseph Acuna who is a lawyer and I wouldn't be able to go this far without having him in this journey. But walk me through your hustle prior to this and how did that also translate eventually to Miami? Yeah, I think, you know, my journey to Miami started way before I was Mm -hmm. even in law school, right? Okay. The thing is like my grandfather was a a farmer. Mm, Wow. Yeah, that's right. And he was so poor. Okay. Right, that he didn't want farming for his kids. So most of my uncles mm-hmm. and my aunts, they went to Manila. Mm-hmm. My father got into government. And then actually I have an aunt who sells meat in the Palenque. Wow. And then I have a, I have a cousin who's a jeepney driver. Mm-hmm. So then maybe fast forward, I was lucky enough to get into UP. And then I took up law. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, you know, we talk about these things about um, justice, which really nothing but inequality of opportunity. Yeah. So I thought to myself, like before the pandemic and during the pandemic, you know, we were talking about, we were always complaining about, you know, why is it that that farmers get the short end of the stick? Yeah. And then it just so happens that Jeff was um, someone I know from, from school. Wow. Yeah. Shout out Jeff Barrero, by the way. He was supposed to be here. Couldn't make it. And I've, I've known him. It's the first guy actually that, I, that I've met in the Miami team. Through my angel, Julian. Uh, so shout out. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like putting my money where my mouth is. Okay. And I did actually put up money in, in Miami. As, as a matter of fact, I was Miami's first angel investor. Wow. That's amazing. No, but it's, obviously this is personal to you. Your roots go all the way to the farming business. But... Again, I've heard similar stories before where children of farmers have been really plowed through, pun intended, to be given better opportunities. So perfect example of this is before in our episode, Mr. Dado Banatao, the son of a farmer, and he was given an opportunity so that he can get a better life. 
think David Almirol also mm-hmm. Multisys had a farming family. But I want to understand mindset-wise because you know that every single opportunity you're given now came from very humble beginnings and mm-hmm. literally blood, sweat, and tears. Right. How did that impact your perspective and everything that you're doing in your profession? Because, and again, this is a full circle moment with you because it goes back to your roots and trying to pay it forward. But while you're trying to go through that process, what was that at the back of your mind when you're going through this? Is that something that you were intentionally wanting to go back to? Or is this something that you saw that, hey, this is a full circle moment I want to be in? Uh, partly it's serendipitous. Partly yeah. it's serendipitous, right? It, partly it's something in the back of my mind. Okay. When when I was in law school, it was all about, you know, how do I make money for myself, right? I mean, mm. as um, I grew up in a generation when one of the most popular movies was Wall Street. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it's so, very yeah, late, lately long, right? It, yeah, yeah. It, it <laughs> they dates, just add I know wolf it, in the current yeah. version. <laughs> it dates me, right? But <laughs> Top Gun generation. Let's right. just call it there. So, so I kind of figured out, like, as a lawyer, I got into that practice where it was profitable, mm-hmm. but it wasn't my idea of the things that I wanted to do when I started. Gotcha. Getting into law school, right? So, yeah. of course, I, I realized that if I had gotten like farmers at clients, number mm. one, they don't pay well. Number yep. two, my impact would be limited, right. right? So, I could possibly impact a family, two families, three families mm. of farmers. But then, um, Mayani came along, and that's a way I saw for myself to scale mm-hmm. personally what I had to contribute. And, and at the start, it was really just, I, I lend my brain power because mm. I know that startups, every startup, they need guidance. Right. You're going to have to deal with regulators either um, somewhere down their journey. Right? Yep. So that was the first thing that I said that I, very simply that I could contribute. Got it. Other than the money. Sounds good. All right. Now, of course, my main man, JT, again, all right, obviously, you're the head of, of the snake, right? And how many, I don't know how many heads the snake has. But walk me through your past prior to this. You've been doing a lot of these things. You were sent before and you've done, you've also studied in Wharton. Just to, again, just Wharton, again. Just, uh, but again, it, it's, it's hard to get to this level if you didn't hustle prior. What was that hustle like before? And walk me through the skill stack and experiences you had to go through. Yeah, well, Ron, I think a large part of my experience in, you know, in the private sector was actually in e-commerce and technology. Mm. So I was working closely with with Bjorn for Send. Yeah, uh, was a former, shout out Bjorn. It was yeah, here in the episode. was formerly here. Yeah. So kind of like working with him, working very closely with him when it comes to like business development and growth. So mm. back then, since we were considered kind of like the pioneers in e-commerce logistics, yep. helping out online sellers of different sizes, different backgrounds, mm. all forms and shapes. I, I guess that's where I got the initial exposure of where the rubber hits the road. Gotcha. We were, you know, literally moving parcels every day. Yep. But I was leading the charge for large corporate partners, i.e. like 7-Eleven, yep. um, National Bookstores, Huyen, you know, Nestle, mm-hmm. all those boys. And I guess, you know, hailing from that background, I saw firsthand how Entrepreneurs are really popping up every day, but at the same time, you saw how technology is affecting perhaps only a certain 
segment of society and that yeah. to an extent people were left behind on the social sidelines they were marginalized and i guess you know that's that's where the honor of having such a diverse founding team right yeah. like really came into the picture because all of a sudden you're knowing things you otherwise didn't realize that were so consequential in their lives and you know at that point when i was still with send i was just taking it for granted right like in in a way that technology is there but i didn't see how it was impacting sort of rural philippines and you know right. other provinces all over the country that's amazing and again we'll zero in later on how you're able to assemble this, this amazing team but again that last but definitely not the least uh, before we take our first break ochi all right. If you're you're onboarding hundreds and hundreds of these farmers, right? I want to understand prior to this, what was your hustle? Yeah. Prior to this, Ron, as early as grade schooler, I used to be with my grandfather. They have a, a duck uh, racing business. In duck Angona, racing? In wow. Angona Rizal because Angona is very near to Laguna Lake. Right, right. We used to get and collect shells from the lakeside. Nice. And unfortunately... It became bankrupt because of the diseases of that period. Okay. Then, when I was in high school, still in my dream to become agribusiness, mm-hmm. agriculturist. But I grew with the family business of my father on the SAS factory in Taytay Rizal. Nice. That controlled uh, by my uncle and my parents na, not to take agricultural courses in UP Los Baños. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, I became scholar of one of the technical schools here in Ortigas. Nice. And through that school, I was able to work and met the family farm school system in the Philippines. Wow. So this school system came from Europe, in France particularly. And we were able to, had an opportunity to do a retreat there in that school in Lipa City. Okay. This is my dream, this kind of system. That's why I really try to apply in the system, that school. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, I, I was onboarded as early as 1992. Mm-hmm. So particularly, uh, basically 30 years since I'm doing the agribusiness and taught their values formation and basic trade courses, subjects. Yep. Electricity, carpentry, and welding needed by the farmers. So, nice. yun yung ang, pero with that, even though I'm a master electrician by professor, but major in agribusiness. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's amazing. And again, this is something that obviously yes. is very personal to you. You really have been, you've put in the hours and years, uh, obviously, on, on that. But when, when you, again, I'll just come through in this before we take our, our first break. What was with Miami when you saw the opportunity. So when we come back later after the first week, I'll, I'll ask the assembly story. How did the Avengers assemble? right? But what was within the startup? Because obviously, again, there's a lot of stuff that you can already do in the agribusiness side with or without technology. That's, that's always going to be a constant for us. But what was it that you saw in this group that allowed you to like, hey, you know what? I want to I be part of this thing. Uh, actually, I was invited by our chairman, Jeff, no? Mm-hmm. So, because I'm handling a farmers association in Leon Batangas, we're aiming to put up an agricultural school so that we can encourage our youth in Western Batangas to go into farming business, agribusiness. That's why when we started planting organic vegetables, 
I ask help from our team or from then Jeff uh, help us to market. Mm-hmm. And then the team was composed and I was also invited to be a co-founder of my own. There you go. All right. That's amazing. All right. Let's take our first break and when we come back, we will we will discuss how they were able to assemble this team and what made you guys jump and join Jeff and JT and the rest of the guys when we do that. Well, let's talk about that more after the break. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact 24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate their growth. Submit your pitch to Impact 24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about... Up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCon PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at saschallenge.ph. That's sasschallenge.ph. And good luck, and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back from the break. We are still with the boys from Miami. But again, prior to the start, I mean, before we talk about how we created Miami, again, the constant that you guys talked about is Jeff, right? So just so that it's not a mystery, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who the hell is Jeff, right? So Jeff. His name is Jeff Barrero. Again, I know him from Julian, our angel in podcast network Asia. So shout out Julian Legazpi with a Z. All right, and I've met Jeff in a, in a call, but I've known Jeff because of his family. They're in the media business. The Barreros have created several radio stations, and I've always been a radio fan. That's why I created podcast network Asia. But also, he again came from that family of well-renowned entrepreneurs. And again, when you say Barrero, if if you know your your shit in business, y'all know what it is, right? But I want to understand now from each part. Who wants to go first? How did this idea of Miami come to you, and how did it propagate? And what made you jump? Who wants to start? Uh, me. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because you know, as I mentioned earlier, that we are putting up a an agricultural school in Western Batangas, okay. and then. Uh, Jeff is a long-time friend, as mm. early as 
2000, when we asked our group to help us to market the produce that we are doing there in Western Batangas. Okay. So Jeff visited us in the farm and then he has an idea. And what was the idea? Jeff. So no, what was the idea that he had that you said? Actually, as he mentioned to me, he saw a news that there are farmers from Laguna dinadamp lang yung mga yeah. uh, tomatoes during that period. And then he's asking uh, some of our friends uh, from UANP, how can I help? That okay. was this friend of ours, Dr. Rolly D from UANP. Mm. So instead of putting up a family, sorry, farmers association or farmers cooperative, why don't you help the this group of farmers with Ochi in Western Batangas? Gotcha. So sorry, we met right after that. And then, so we had the, they had the visit with this family. They visited us there. Mm -hmm. So checking how, how they can help. Gotcha. And then another week, I met these guys, uh, Lance, uh, Yosef. So they're already there, or how did you did you meet Jeff also prior when they met in Ochi? How did this work, JT? Do you want to provide context? Yeah, well, I think I was sort of the second to the last guy who actually jumped into, into oh, the team. Oh wow! Okay. Um, so when when Jeff and I were actually having a conversation, I, and I met him through a common friend, Chot. Okay. Yeah, and because Chot and I, both of us were football enthusiasts. Mm. And then Jeff is his business partner. And Jeff being kind of like, he's known as a serial entrepreneur within their circle. Yep. Comes from a good family, but at the same time has scaled companies in, in Philippines, Singapore, Indonesia. I was like, you know, if this guy wants to, wants to have a chat, maybe there's an opportunity to be able to do a passion project that would somehow touch the lives of people in the province mm. uh, because I've, I've already been hearing a lot of things you know on the challenges by Ochi and their cooperative so mm. you know I, I guess one conversation led to another and then we had this uh, sort of dinner in a kambingan in a I think metro <laughs> walk or something <laughs> there you go uh -huh. yeah metro walk and so I asked Jeff I was like um, so who are the guys in right so I, at the very least if you're assembling a team I want to be able to know where the guys are going to work in the trenches with, right? Because gotcha. it's, it's... You're playing the Nick Fury game, right? Right. There. So you want to be able to... We're building a long-term business. You want to be able to work with long-term people. Right. So that's when I got to know everybody. Lance, Joseph, Jeff, Ochi. And you guys never met each other prior to this. Never. So Jeff was really Nick Fury. <laughs> Yep. Right, yes. you're all superheroes yeah. in your own accord, yeah. but again, wow, I didn't, I didn't, Jeff, I gotta see your eye patch, man. When I see you, and I was like, bro, that's impressive. But again, I'll go to Ron real quick. So, Ron, you said you also just like Ochi, you've met Jeff for a long mm. time. But how did this, and for you to even cut your check as an angel, what was the pitch? What's the thinking there? Yeah, there wasn't a pitch really. I think. It's very unique to our culture as well. You have to remember that Mayani was formed during a crisis. Yeah. And the one thing that's very common with Filipinos is that during a crisis, we all get together, right? Yep. It's, it's very easy. You know, we have Bayanihan. Bayanihan, mm -hmm. exactly. So, you know, there's a typhoon. It's people get together spontaneously mm. uh, to do good. So right. that's the one thing. And COVID was a prolonged crisis. Mm. And... I think it's part of that that spirit where you see uh, a confluence of people trying to help. It's just that there's a bit of luck involved in that the team that Jeff formed was like it's a perfect team. 
You know, wow, it's, it's meaning you. it's meaning right. something that's mm-hmm. you can build on. Obviously, it's not. Gotcha. But they had also the right philosophy in that if you want to solve a crazy big problem like the agriculture supply chain problem, yep. then you can't just do it over a month, yeah. a year, right? It's mm. it's been there for decades. Right. So the philosophy is the only way that you make it sustainable is making it profitable. Ah, gotcha. And that's what attracted me to So that, that's, again, the right fundamentals. Because if you've been able to really do business properly and without being dependent on funding all the time, and if the, the mindset is profit, then you're going to have to great you're going to have to play the game fundamentally because if you're just going to burn cash, then it's a race to the bottom sometimes, right? And that's yeah, what Jeff's experience is. Yeah, yeah, sorry. But at the start, we were trying to explain that you know there are people that come up to us thinking that Mayani was like an NGO mm. or a not-for-profit. And, yeah. and we have to explain that no, this is the only way that to make it sustainable gotcha. is to make it profitable as well. All right. So, Lance, for your end, uh, again, before we dissect now how you guys built this, what was well, how did you guys ramp it up? What was the main pitch? Was Jeff a client in the? the did Did you embalm him at one? <laughs> <laughs> no, just no. kidding. But how did you meet sure. Jeff? So he's friends with my dad. Gotcha. So, so it's Tito Jeff. Yeah, yeah it's Tito go. Jeff. Yes, but we don't call him that. He gets mad when we call him. That. Yeah. So <laughs> you don't sure he wasn't that. a client? Yeah. We can cut that right. <laughs> Right. Yeah, yeah. So while well, my dad was speaking with Jeff one dinner, and then he was Jeff was just asking like, "So what's Lance going to do after college?" Ganyan. But I was actually pretty lost during that time. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what to do. I was looking for some sense of fulfillment okay. with myself. So I was handling all these dead people, but I didn't really know where to go after that. Yep. So and then Jeff just pitched in that. If you don't have anything to do yet, you don't have any plans, you know, we're planning to help these farmers. And I'm like, what? How, how can I help? I don't even know anything yet. So I don't have like any experience or whatever. And then he was just saying that as long as you can do the nitty gritty stuff, we right. need someone young who's driven and all that. So I was like, okay, so let's go for it. That's yeah. amazing. All right. Now let's now assemble the team. When he said, all right, Avengers assemble. I am Nick Fury. How did this come through? Because again, you had inklings of... Again, this is what we're trying to do. We had a grand vision, but a vision without execution ain't shit, right? So what was the main inflection point of how this became a team and how did your roles fit in? Because again, he was talking to all these people, literally like Nick Fury, trying to assemble these Avengers, but y'all had roles to play in, in this grand scheme of things. And how did you go from meeting each other as a team to building MVP and all the way to, again, creating the, the first product, JT? Yeah, I guess it started, you know, before I jumped in, Lance and Joseph, our co-founder and CTO, actually started doing research, right? So Mm. being ops guys and, you know, Joseph is a software engineer. What they did was it, they actually started going in Ochi's farm. Uh, oh, they really did. Oh, eh? In Malarohatan Family Farm Association in Lian Matangas. So, I mean, just so they could have like a, a flavor of, Real the realities there, right? Yes. Because it's different when you actually build a business. So we went out from Pampanga all the way to Batangas. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow. So you know they they started doing research, sleeping in the farm, okay, talking to a lot of the farmers there, to Ochi, the members of Mafa. Nice. And then you know the first thing that they started doing was piloting and transacting with moms here in Metro Manila. Okay. 
just neighbors. Always a low hanging fruit. Aunties, okay. right? <laughs> and then they started marketing first the lettuce romaine and all the harvest of mafa of Ochi. Right? So maybe Ochi, you could sort of give more flavor and yeah, color yeah. to that. Yeah. How did they? That's an easy conversation. Pakyawan, all right. So that and you have that in your website. I saw. Yes. Yes. Right. Actually, since it's an farmers association who okay. aim to put up an agricultural school, so. With the team, actually, we encourage them that let's compute the production cost that we are doing there in mm. the farm. Okay. Para hindi lugi yung farmers. Kasi yun yung, ano, yun yung challenges natin. Right. Uh, there are times na bagsak yung presyo. Bakit? Minsan, may mga traders na pipick up. Yun yung trip niya na the presyo. That's yeah. why we were able to establish that uh, formula. We help the farmers to compute the uh, production cost and mm. add more 20 to 30% markup. So that is our contract farming price with all these veggies. Gotcha. Uh, we, yeah, that's why we started uh, lettuce uh, and also packet veggies from the nice. area. So directly, nung nag uh, ano yung team ng research or studies, talagang may period na Joseph and Lance are minsan uh, yung sa sakin ng ni Yosep then mapaplatan sa along the, oh, the road no. <laughs> all of these things they slept also in the farm so yun yung ano yun yung experience namin with that uh, wow, that's real hustling right uh, there the start of the Mayani but how did it become a product because again you're gonna have to start coming from again one from research of course making sure that the market exists of course supply is already there so Ochi is, is a very key part but how did you come up with a marketplace of some sort because yeah let's just call us made a spade there's other people also trying to solve this problem some of them have a lot of money some of them don't have money but a lot of people are trying to trying to solve this problem which again is humongous what was the decision to go for the marketplace route versus the other possible options that were there too I think, Ron, the, the takeoff point was really after validating that there's supply coming from the army of moms, right? Mm. Those lolas, the neighbors, and, and the aunties, and getting real, brutally honest feedback, right? Because yeah. moms give some of the most candid feedbacks <laughs> in the world, right? It is our, <laughs> our alter ego is the voice of our mom, okay? <laughs> right? So we were, you know, I, I guess in so far as user research is concerned, yeah. we were getting brutal feedback, at least honest, Got you know, it. honest to goodness feedbacks coming from real paying customers who are willing to part ways with money in their wallet for something which they believe is of value to them. Got it. And then we said, you know, we were operating back then at the basement. We were literally squatting from a basement of a building in Wilson Corner, P. Guevara. Wow. Uh, that's just I way below a Thirsty Barber, right? Thirsty, so that, near the BPI? Kind of near, yeah. Yes. Right, right there. The so Yeah, there's, there's four buildings there. There's a milk tea shop at one corner. There's a BPI. <laughs> and a Chooks to go. Yeah, and, and a Chooks to go. And a mini and stop. A, yes, that one. That one. Right. So for quite some time, that place became... Um, so so we squatted there, there but the that sort of became a <laughs> I know refuge. that place because it's so hard to park there. <laughs> I went, there's so many good restaurants, but damn it, it's so hard to park yeah. in that area. So we were dispatching um, the Bayongs ourselves. We were getting like 20, 40, 50 orders. When we saw that it was, it started to increase, we said, we need to be able to sort of techify Who were the buyers? This. These were just like neighbors, relatives, cousins. Wow. Vibers, um, uh, Viber friends. Viber friends. Uh, messenger nice. friends. <laughs> and this was happening during the pandemic or pre-pandemic? Okay. And you were selling it through the website already or how was the… Uh, the just FB? via Viber. 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 So community-driven, 
approach. Yeah, very, very social commerce, very social yeah. commerce. It was all about friends uh, sharing it via social media, Messenger, Viber. Got it. And then we said, you know what? I think we've reached an inflection point wherein the volume of the orders were, mm. you know, it was getting higher. Okay. And we said, we told our software engineer, so Andre was based in Spain. Okay. Joseph was a software engineer, said, we got to build a platform for this, man. This is, we got to be able to scale this such that, you know, even if we're sleeping, orders are coming yeah. in. Yeah. Right. So that, that's it. But okay, a couple of things, because that's where the scariest part usually happens, where you start with something, people get used to it. And then you build something new, and then there's attrition at one point. Not everybody migrates, but I want to talk to you, Lance, because you're the one who hustled, who got flatted out here. Okay, you're the ones who, who went from zero to one very early on in the game. How did that transition happen? Because again, if you're talking nanais as well, and we're talking people who got used to, yeah, you're already doing things for me. Why would I go back to, you know, why would I go to your platform? Walk me through that transition and how difficult was it to build a product? Yeah, it was actually pretty funny because I also do customer service before during okay. that time. So I used to take up calls every Man, now and then. you can then. do customer service because you've dealt with morning people. You can do anything at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, looking back when we told them that, hey, you can try ordering via the platform and all that. And then the nanas were like, no, just order for me. I'll tell you my order right exactly. now. So it took us, you know, a couple of months for them to migrate yep. in, in the platform. But it was actually patience because wow. I had to do it every now and then. So like, we would deliver once a week. So every weekend. I thought you tried them. If you don't, I would involve me a lot. No, I, I, yun yung lambing. Okay. Uh, so that's where my lambing came in. With formally. Uh, there you go. <laughs> so especially the lolas. Yeah, right, yeah. Right. But um, speaking with them and then having their insights thrown at us uh, right. very brutally, it helped us a lot in building the platform. Okay, I want to understand, Ron, from the point of view of traction here and also regulation, you saw that from a very early stage uh, of it that eventually there will be a regulatory problem here. How did you build that up? Because you saw it coming, right? And if you were going to be part of this very early, you had to lay the groundwork in order to prevent hitting that wall. Yeah, so... I knew it was important for not just Miami, actually, for a lot of small entrepreneurs that, yeah. um, to do things right. And um, I thought that was like the most obvious thing that I can do. Yeah. But I also saw that at that point, Miami was getting traction and getting the interest of other people. Mm. Right? So it became very interesting because the questions quickly turned to, at least on my side, if we deal with investors, so on one side, on the operational side, there are questions like, for example, can we sell this or can we not sell this platform? Gotcha. That's one. Mm -hmm. Number two, it was COVID and there are times when there are questions where um, can we go to this place or not? Or mm -hmm. can we open up this thing or not? So those were mm -hmm. questions. But also in the background, there are certain very interesting things that were happening because people were getting interested in, in Miami. Mm. And they needed more, let's just say, corporate advice. There so, governance. Then, yeah, and then, you know, when you take a look at Miami, and of course, you know, very basic structure, mm. uh, you have to housekeep. So as basically housekeeper, <laughs> and that still is yeah. my function, yeah. one of my functions anyway, right mm. now. Being above board all the time. Yeah, and especially when the checks 
get bigger yeah. because they would demand more in of terms of yeah because it's yeah. also a risk to them absolutely yeah and that's correct because again I go back to my co-founder and I tell him dude don't bring me to a negotiation table because I'm oh, I'm a people pleaser I'm always going to be eager to please someone you bring the lawyer oh hey don't bring me and I want to make sure that we don't get a short end of the stick just because I'm eager to please someone and do that but a couple more questions before we take our last break so This is all great. And again, pre-pandemic, what happened during the pandemic and how difficult was the pivot? I mean, or the adjustment, sorry. Yeah, well, we were discussing among each other, you know, there was news going around that the president was about to declare a lockdown, but it wasn't official yet. Like it was, yeah. people were talking about yeah, it. Murmurs. People, yeah. Because of that green, it started with that Green Hills fiasco. Like, holy shit, it's here. <laughs> yep. Right? And, and we were in Green Hills, right? Yes. So, what? So we Are were there, Wilson me? Corner Guevara, and right. we were discussing among ourselves, you know what? What's gonna happen, and we need to be able to, you know, brace ourselves. And and because it was a black swan moment, right? Yeah. Nobody was really prepared. Nobody yeah, had nope. a contingency plan that was enough and sufficient for them to be able to handle whatever the ramifications would be. Mm-hmm. So we just we just said okay. It was just us. We didn't really have employees. We were our own employees, and mm-hmm. you know, we just decided among ourselves that we're gonna have this undefeatable belief that. Whatever is going to happen down the road during the lockdown, mm. we're still going to deliver. Like if orders are coming in, yeah. we're going to deliver. If what's going to take to deliver would be us riding, you know, motorcycles or driving our own cars, delivering to every single household with a sort of a food pass, right? From 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 the IATF, yeah. um, then that's what what we're going to do, right? Yeah. So that's that's what we did. And then we reached a point where, and oh my God, we were like hundreds and hundreds of orders per day, such that. Lance had to call every single customer and actually say, "Can we do a batch delivery? Like, can wow. we? Like, you're the first batch, and you're gonna be the second batch, right? Because you know it's just way too much, right? Right. Yeah, that's amazing. On the supply side, though, how yeah. were you able to then meet this? Because again, even the harvesting and the planting cycles were affected. Yes, actually, we started with the Mafa Farm. Okay, uh, it's a three hectare uh, production wow. area. Actually, prior to pandemic, we had an average of 20 orders a day or okay. a weekend. And during Pero the pandemic? During how? the pandemic, uh, we decided to have a three uh, deliveries uh, per week. Wow. And how many uh, orders were, were, were An average like of the, 200. Yeah, an average of 200. 200. From 20 to 200 yeah. per day. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's why we, on the supply side, uh, aside from our farm, we were able to help the farmers within Western Batangas and... There were times that we have many farmers from Lipa, uh, Metro Lipa, and wow. we were able to get also their uh, produce. Nice. On their side, hilap din sila magana yung maglabas ng ano. Of course, of course. Because salado yung makalsada, salado yung malod. That's why the secret of the IATF food pass is our ano. <laughs> the first day of our uh, lockdown, I got the vehicle from the office of Jeff. Yung right. basement. Uh-huh. Paglabas ko palang doon, hinarang na ako doon oh, sa, ano, uh, doon sa Gibara Street. Right. Where are you going? I'll get the, <laughs> ano, food pass. I'll get the vegetables from Batangas. Okay. Do you have documents? Balik ulit ako sa opisina. I asked Jeff, Jeff, they had the challenge, the police officers uh, right. already, uh, 
got me and then they <laughs> they don't want to allow me to pass by kasi San Juan yeah, and that's to Mandaluyong by the way yes yes that's a, that's a boundary uh, a few, from yeah. San Juan to Mandaluyong go to Little Baguio and then at Shaw Boulevard after yes. that right sorry that's I, it I, that's my tagusan from QC <laughs> all the way to Makati correct, correct. when we got to this and this is again traction and that's painful these are growing pains that are good right because that shows that people love what you're doing after Again, 2021 and 2022. How did this sustain? Because again, during the lockdown season, it was obvious. Everybody was just desperate to get something, right? They're eager to survive or whatever situation that we're in. But as the world opened up, what was that evolution like? And did that take a bump? Because again, you're not going to be able to raise 1.7 million if you didn't, if that was a blip, right? How did you sustain and then continue that growth moving forward? I guess to give more context to it, uh, Ronster, you know, there were different inflection points within that pandemic because it, it was a long, protracted uh, pandemic period, right? Okay. Like, we so had, what were those inflection points? I would say the first one would be, I could vividly remember this. We got a distress call from a group of farmers from Kirino Province, that's in Cagayan Valley region, region wow. two, the Matadi Farmers Growers Cooperative, and they had this glut of tomatoes. So like in, in metric tons of tomatoes. And, right. you know, what's what's happening then was they had an SOS call and then they told us, you know what, is there a way for us to be able to, is there a way for you, the Mayani team, to be able to help us out, right? Okay. Because traditional palenque, wet marketplaces were bogged down. The channels that they used to sell to were otherwise non-existent or non-operational wow. during the lockdown. So we did that and that was sort of the trigger point for us to be able to work closely with uh, the Department of Trade and Industry, Region 2, we forged ETI, a partnership with, okay. with them. That allowed us to expand our network to about 4,700 farmers uh, within Cagayan Valley wow. region. So that's sort of the takeoff point wherein we started expanding beyond Calabarzon and going towards Region 2, helping out a lot of the farmers, let's say, in, in Quirino province, for instance, right? And then after that, I think that's when we saw different waves of campaigns we were doing um, so it was all about like, how do we help farmers manage all of those excess harvests? Because mm -hmm. now you've reached a, situ a situation where in the circumstances weren't to their favor, right? Like the odds were stacked against them. Yep. Again, palenques were closed, non-operational. Yep. So what, what do they do, right? So it was a bunch of distress calls left and right, right? So we were just doing um, what we can. And then I could clearly remember the Asian Development Bank. ADB. ADB actually... Uh, because they were our first believer. They gave us a seed grant. To wow. Be oh my us. God. Is this through Toby? Um, no, no, no. Because Toby is ADB Ventures, right? This is God. ADB, ADB the main. ADB the bank. Okay, yeah, wow. Right, like the mothership. Wow. So they launched a challenge called the Hard Hit Economic Sectors Challenge. And back then, ADB was saying, we're going to look for technological innovations across the world right. that's going to shape the new normal rather than just adapt to it. Wow. And this is a grant. This, this is equity a grant. free. E equity How much free. are we talking about here? Yeah. Well, it was a, a couple thousand dollars, right? Like Still, just, just, a, uh -huh. just a, it's a good one for us to be able to just jumpstart the improvement of our operations and our tech stack. Right. Um, particularly our farmer's uh, companion, the, the farmer facing tool. Mm -hmm. So I would say that that was a huge milestone for the team. Mm -hmm. And because of that, that sort of paved the way for a lot of different VCs and like-minded right. investors. And that's fucking ADB, bro. So that's, reach out. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. 
Now, I, I want to understand. So you're, other than, than that inflection point, what were their next inflection point that you saw? Well, after that was, uh, that was already the entry of Raw and I'll consider that a good uh, inflection point because... Go. Uh, ADB Palace. What right? So, oh. so <laughs> because once you start like, uh, getting the support of ADB in its ecosystem, right? Okay. You, you got to consider how they did it in like other agricultural countries, how they've helped farmers, let's say in central Cambodia, in Ton Lesap. Yep. And then when Ron and I were having conversation in, in uh, Mulito, in Alabang. There you go. He was, he was, oh, he was over Yushokin or Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just outside. Just No, not even there, right? Not even there. All right. Like uh, we just in Alfresco, Jer. Alfresco, right behind <laughs> pandemic. Okay, it was okay. a pandemic, so we had to be outside. Yep. Um, but Ron was asking, like, okay, you guys have, have the support of ADB already, and I think that was the point where, and we were already having conversations with uh, Ag Funder. Uh, so this this uh, Silicon Valley uh, Ag Tech Food Tech Focus VC, nice. one of one of the most active in the world, and of course that's a point we're in. Now you're encountering a lot of sort of legal terms. What's a safe right. note? Right. What are those inver- investment terms and clauses? Yeah. We know nothing about, man. <laughs> but right. only a lawyer and a very good trained legal eye and a run would be able to good. comprehend, mm. right? That's when he came in. I was like, Ron, we need your expertise in here, right? Like, mm. And among ourselves, we were so honest because number one, we weren't taking ourselves seriously. Number two, we're so honest among ourselves that we don't know everything, Gotcha. Right, like I think it's very clear among the team that the reason why we're so big is because we have a lot of things we don't know about. The only thing we agree on is that we're solving meaningful problems in the agri-fishery sector for rural Philippines, and yeah. and that's it, right? Like the nitty-gritty when it comes to like clauses, and we know <laughs> it was zero, right. it was really zero. So Ron came in, and, and Ron, you want to? Ju- yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I just wanted to add that. In terms of like the inflection point, um, two things happened during the pandemic. And, okay. and, and the first thing being is that you realize that one of the challenges facing the uh, farmers, uh, smallholder farmers in particular, is that there are lots of middlemen in between. Right? Yep. But they've been dealing with these middlemen for decades. Yep. But what happened during the pandemic is that all of a sudden they were gone. Mm. Right? So that in a way, the pandemic actually paved the way for a Mayani to come in and replace the trust institution, yep. rightly or wrongly. There was a trust that they placed yeah, on middle. That was also on. being very predatory or parasitic even well, <laughs> towards, towards them. I wouldn't go that far. There's, I guess there are some relationships that are disadvantages. But once traders were not able to go to them to get their produce, okay. and Mayani was... Then that started our relationship with Got the it. farmers. That's number one. Number two, I think what's highlighted by JT and Ochi so far is that, you know, and, and this goes to your question earlier, is that this whole platform business is still very people-oriented. We're, we're still very relationship-oriented. Mm-hmm. So it's not possible. It's not, you can have the best tech stack. Yep. But if you don't have that kind of relationship, it's not going to work. Absolutely. I think that's what we're able to prove during the pandemic. And then after, and that's why I think even after the pandemic and um, things have changed, I think our model is, is resilient. Yeah, I'll just double down on something that you really said earlier that really struck. It's the mindset toward profit, right? That again, uh, I would assume this was 
bootstrapped at first, is that correct? And then really you just had to like uh, sacrifice some instant gratification for yourself to come through. But how did you make sure the fundamentals stayed well, considering that the inflection points that you guys were talking about were instant jumps? And if you guys were bootstrapping, it's hard to sustain that. Like, for example, you're going to have to haul 3x or 4x or 5x of the demand all of a sudden. How are you able to all of a sudden be that elastic in making sure that you had the resources to, to cater to that demand? And second, what was the investments like? Did you invest in trucking, logistics? What was those like? Yeah, it's actually pretty funny. We started with one L300 hauling everything. So L3 lang? Yeah, one L3. Okay. It's, it's a second hand. Second hand, yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay. And Ochi would actually drive it all the way from wow. uh, Batangas. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but we realized um, as we moved forward that we can't handle everything yet. Yeah. So we we tapped you know different uh, 3PL partners for that. Yeah, it was actually pretty funny because um, I don't know uh, we've been doing everything ourselves and then finally being able to partner with another you know company or something like that is quite different for us because we're not the ones doing it. Right. Yeah. Then we started uh, recruiting Ronster friends. Okay. Right. Like uh, top formerly I was with Sense. So of course, like I had a lot of like. Friends in the warehouse, right? Right. Pick and pack guys. So we started moving from our squatter uh, HQ at the basement of uh, Wilson Corner <laughs> P. Guevara towards a couple of streets away, uh, right. which was uh, Barcelona was Street. Barcelona wow. Street, right? And I know that kind of sounds like, oh, maybe that's like a high street or a premium street, but right. it's not. So it's uh, <laughs> there was an apartment there, and we were literally operating out of a Garage, garage that can only fit a Mirage uh, sedan. Are you right? kidding me? Yeah, with the le- it's with the leaking, specific. Yeah, <laughs> but with the leaking roof. Um, oh, wow. Um, and, you know, we were dispatching things ourselves there. But now with the help of friends, right? Like okay. former colleagues. And then, you know, we couldn't really remember. We started helping out also the Formosa pineapple growers in Beagle uh, region. Nice. And the thing with pineapple, right, is we were transporting um, via wing vans and trucks uh, those pineapples, metric tons towards Barcelona Street. And because it was the height of the lockdown, we had to develop relationships with Barangay Tanods, uh, with the Barangay Cafe. We had Marianda. to give them pineapple. That was like a huge thing for us. That was already a jump for us, right? Yeah. From a basement of a building towards, uh, you know, an the apartment. garage of an apartment. Wow, that's amazing. All right, now let's take our last break. And when we come back, we'll continue the hustle of how you're able to build this and then how you're able to then raise your $1.7 million seed round. But let's talk about that more after the break. Hey, Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again. And we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter 
Hunter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions for liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey, hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Pilipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoostTime deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn Earn in flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, hustlers. I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. DragonPay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit DragonPay is. DragonPay was named FinTech of the Year at last year's Philippine FinTech Festival in 2020. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer. Trust DragonPay. And 
we're back in the break, we are still with the boys of Miami. Again, told us the amazing hustle that they had to go through. Again, each and every one, the uh, what the parts that they had to really chip in. But I want to understand, all of this stuff that you said were going upwards. And that's not the reality in startup life. We all get hit by shit, right? Whether it's a truck or whatever, that's it. There will be near-death experiences that would really test the metal of a team. Can you guys talk about the hard stuff? And if there are even near-death experiences, and how did you pull through from those experiences at all? You're all looking at each other like, holy shit, bro. (laughs) Are we going to share everything? But yeah, that's all with you, JT. Yeah, if, if we come to think about it, Ron, for any startup that actually thrived during the pandemic, right? Like... For us, almost every week is a challenging week. And there wasn't a week we're in. We never broke our internal capacity to serve, especially the market. Mm. I think, you know, in terms, not just near-death experiences, but sort of those experiences that really shape you as a person. Like, how far are you willing to go? Like, for instance, you know that there are multiple checkpoints uh, going to the province. You had a distress call coming from farmers. Archie is just like, you know? Yo, I'm a GTA this thing. I don't care if a five-star. Right? <laughs> and that's where you kind of think, you know, you look at the ceiling and wake up at like 1 a.m. and think, okay, is this still worth doing? Is this still worth our while? But you know that you're serving both farmers and, and the market who actually needed someone who could deliver to them because there was no vaccine back then. Wow. So I felt like we did encounter near-death experiences, a lot of them, every week. Like, I can honestly tell you we were failing forward every day. Wow. Because 200 orders in a day was like, you're always going to get some complaints in there. And, yep. you know, these moms actually complain lengthily, right? <laughs> they, they talk to you for like an hour. They pour it out to you. There you go. Right? So that was, opera- you know, from an operational standpoint, yes. But I guess we were putting it in very good perspective that it was all about growth as long as we're failing forward and we're learning a lot from that experience i think it was was okay for us and then we started planning okay what is what do we see in the world we're in it's post pandemic and the economy is going to start opening up mm. right i recall it was still the lockdown i think it was second or third wave of the lockdown we're in we started catering to supermarkets mm. supermarkets wow that's big game hunting right there right Right? Because if you're do- doing that, there we're talking about big, big, big demand. Yeah, but supermarkets run and we were still in the apartment garage. <laughs> <laughs> Barcelona Street. If, you're, if, you're, if you somehow live there, y'all know what's going on now. Yeah. Why there were trucks and trucks and trucks and, oh, and always traffic there. Oh, right. <laughs> so we made it, we kind of made it the busiest street in uh, Green Hills. Yep. And how come it's very busy? You know, people were wondering, okay, how come this is very busy? And But it's a lockdown, <laughs> right? So we started, uh, you know, our first believer was actually Walter Mart. Wow, Walter that's Supermark. a big chain. Right. Um, and then we, you know, one thing led to another and we started partnering and teaming up with the likes of Robinsons, even, you know, restaurant chains, right? And oh, then man. we saw that, okay, I think now we're building sort of the core base load. Okay such that we are now able to move truckloads and truckloads of fresh produce coming from nice. different organized molder farmers yeah. across different regions. Because if mm-hmm. the vision is to be able to scale technology for good yeah. and be able to help more than just the cooperative of Ochi, we needed the base load. Yeah. We needed that core base load. Mm-hmm. 
we were just super grateful because uh, that's one of the things that AgFunder saw, and we were like, okay. And AgFunder having had you know different marketplace, yep. supply chain, portfolio companies across the world. It's they've like seen hot, this before. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so for them, they've seen how it worked, what were yeah. the challenges in, in other markets. And so we're you know, super grateful we became their first investment in the Philippines. Nice. And, and that sort of triggered the Ready Run, sort of the parallel conversations with different uh, VCs afterwards. That's amazing. But before we talk about fundraising, I want to understand a couple of things first. On scaling the team and the dynamics, so for a specific period of time, it was just you, the Avengers. But as you scaled, it can't just be you. Um, I want to know two things first. The dynamics you guys had, because again, this wasn't like, I, I've seen co-founding teams where they had prior relationships before. There's a common denominator over who you guys met with, with Rich Jeff, obviously. But how did you develop that trust and dynamic? Because I've seen this happen and it didn't turn out well, right? It went ugly. But for you guys, you seem to really mesh around very well and you guys know where, you know, uh, where the roles are going to be played and how, who, who's in charge. But how did that work? How did you make this dynamic very good? Actually, yeah, prior to pandemic, after the orientation with Jeff, no, at least uh, yung gestation period namin kasi, it's a, yeah, the, the pre-pandemic. Yung research uh, period na ginagawa namin nila, Lance, Joseph, and even Andre sometimes. Yun yung na-develop yung rapport, relationship. And then uh, we started, remember, we started the uh, MAPA Farmers uh, Vegetables within that uh, association. And since it's only vegetables, and then we're looking now for some fruits and other vegetables nearby, uh, there are many uh, cooperatives and farmers associations in the area uh, that we're trying to, ano, to link them also, to onboard them also. Mm. Pre-pandemic, uh, ako yung nagmamakawa, o kami nagmamakawa, sige it will help you to, ano, to onboard your fruits and vegetables. What happened during lockdown or the start of pandemic, sila nito matawag, sir, we cannot go out anymore. Could you please help us? We will harvest a ton of, half ton of uh, avocado or papaya. Eh, prior to la- pandemic, ako yung nagmamakawa. So, iba yung ano, yung scenario. The dynamics, right? The dynamics. And even, as we said earlier, na from uh, Barcelona, we'll get the fruits there. Imagine, every municipality, there are checkpoints. Yep. So, simply lang naman eh. So, since they are, they are kababayans. What we did, after packing for our orders, I also packed some fruits and vegetables ah, for the checkpoint. So, yun din yung, ano, yun <laughs> din yung rapport. Kasi imagine, uh, even in our municipality in Lian, so, huh? the checkpoint, there was a time that the one assigned at 2 a.m. is the chief of the police station. Bagong assigned. Wow. So, yun yung yun, ano, para bang ano, bossing, sabi yeah. sa akin. Uh, saan ka pupunta, sir? Hindi mo ba alam na carpio, lockdown? Uh-huh. So, sir, uh, we are helping our farmers in Lian. I'm here from Malaluhatan. Uh-huh. So, these are doc- documents of our company helping uh-huh. these farmers. Hindi ba alam ng mga previous ano, checkpoints na da- hindi ka dapat luma- lumagpas o dumaan? Uh-huh. Bakit po? Eh kasi, sabi ko, ito, we're helping the farmers. Wow. <laughs> so, kayo po ba, hindi nyo po ba alam na dapat kami palagpasin? Because we are in the priority list of the government with mm-hmm. IATF. So, hindi siya nakaanon. Uh, hindi rin siya nakaimik kasi yeah. ako pa naman, palaban din naman tayo. <laughs> so, basta How many may... avocados did you give? <laughs> <laughs> so, with that, with that 
hindi ko siya binigyan. Uh, <laughs> But anyway, sorry, boss. Sorry, boss. Okay. <laughs> Although yung ano, yung other ano, kasi I knew some of the ano, the yeah. officers. But uh, the, the chief, uh, new one. every now and then, meron na akong bit-bit na uh, prutas or gulay. Mm. Uh, isang plastic lang, a kilo of it. Okay na yun. That's nice. Imagine, how many municipalities from Batangas up to Bacoor? Kasi, oh my God. Imagine, 100 kilometers away, can uh, take it as, pass as one and a half hour during lockdown. Kasi What? Hihirap lang doon sa checkpoint. That kasi is yun, yun, GTA yun. level driving. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least, uh, it's a madaling araw siya, yeah, walang yeah. traffic, walang ano. Yung checkpoint lang ang makakabali sa iyo. <laughs> you only hit, hit the so, brakes because we need, a checkpoint. We need to, uh-huh. ano, to be there in Barcelona Street as early as 5 a.m. Wow. So, naghihintay na yung aming mga uh, staff na mag, uh-huh. ano. And then, yun lang yung, ano, yun yung kagandahan. That so, Lance and, and, and Ron, I'll, I'll zero in. So again, you you're scaling. It can't just all be you guys. So Ochi described how he was able to hustle to make sure that you guys had something to sell. But at, at the headquarters in Barcelona in the basement or whatever that new apartment was, that's war zone all the time. How did you surround yourself with the right people also, aside from the initial Avengers that you guys got? Yeah, um, well, initially... I can't say that we had the best team because we were only able to get people who were available. Because okay. we had to get, you know, people living nearby. Okay. And those who and those are, are expensive. If they live in Green Hills, man, they must have been expensive. <laughs> um, Mandaluyo. Okay. Uh, Mandaluyo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Most... Febrero. Wait, are you talking about the mental hospital in Mandaluyo? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's the one in Nueva de Febrero. Okay. For us, it was actually us helping these people who were out of jobs already because mm-hmm. they were the ones who used to work for fast food chains, yep, factories. The ones who yep. Yep. Uh, and these people had the experience of food handling as well. So mm. we were learning from them as well as they were learning from us. Nice. So, yeah, I guess it was a huge change because we we were kind of used to, again, you know, packing it ourselves. Right. And then now watching over these people feels different. All right. Now, Ron, I'll, I'll zero in on something that JT said. When this all happened, the investors started to come, right? Institutional investors. What was that like, especially in the preparation of from your end? For the big, big leads, you had to be above board. You said you wanted to make sure that this is something that is set. So when it happens, you don't miss the opportunity. What was that like? First, I wanted to go back to okay. your question about like team dynamic. Okay. You know, because I think it's important as well. Because um, we're, there's seven of us. Yeah. There's, there's a lot. Not typical for yeah. founding team, right? Secondly, I think everyone knows that in a startup, the founders do everything. Yeah. Right? So uh, my role may be officially designated as this and that. But well, everyone does everything else, right? We have what we call like a safe space. So mm-hmm. every week we meet And mm-hmm. in that meeting, we can call each other out. Nice. I think it's important that um, we have to take accountability for what we That's say amazing. we're going to do. And it's during that meeting that everybody else can ask you, Hey, Ron, you said that you're going to do this. Where is it now? Mm. And I think part of it is luck that and a realization that the problem we're trying to solve is bigger than us. So yeah. that kind of humbles us. In a way, so at least for me personally, 
when I feel that my ego is taking over, mm. I tend to think, you know, I mean, like, why would I do this? I'm, a, I'm already a lawyer. You know, I have my firm. I can just go back. But, you know, you think you go back to why you started, why you joined them in, in the first place. And the mission is so much bigger than your ego. Mm. And that provides a lot of, of context, right? Yep. That's so, amazing. Ron, maybe just a quick one, sure. right? So, Maybe a good metaphor to to it is uh, Top Gun, right? There you go. Which so, one? The old one or well, Maverick? Let's have the the first one. Okay, right? there so you let's go. have the first one. Post um, and and I think you know what? Um, maybe just to dovetail with Ron's uh, sharing earlier, we have that safe fly zone um, amongst each other, and we can do a dogfight, right? Yep. Like in in those weekly huddles, and we're each other's accountability partner. But I think what's very important in terms of the team dynamics part is we can call out each other, but we're not going to feel offended, right? Like we would take it constructively and we know that every person is coming from a unique perspective, a unique temperament and a background such that every single comment isn't wrong. Mm. It's always valid. You just have to look at it from that perspective, from Ochi's perspective, right? Like he is the voice of the farmers. Like whatever we say from a platform side, may not always be entirely true. Um, so that level of radical candor mm. is very important. And I think that has stayed as an enduring DNA of the team as Got we it. were growing. All right, perfect, perfect. Now, again, I'll zero in on fundraising a little bit because, again, let's just call a spade a spade. This problem still persists. Again, you go to the local supermarket. If I want to make you feel special, I'll just give you onions now. It's still big. The problem is just humongous to a point where I think the onions are just the start, unfortunately. And as hurtful as that may sound, there's more produce and it's not looking good for all of us here. Can I just zero in a little bit? I'll, just, I'll, I'll go on a tangent a little bit. Ochi, I'm looking at you now because why are we even in this situation? And how does Mayani even come to the picture to even help solve this problem? Actually, we are helping many uh, farmers in Central Luzon, especially uh, these onion farmers. Okay. There are many factors that affect the uh, rise of onions. Unang-una, yung ating weather condition. Although given na yan, yep. almost every year nangyayari. Yep. It's the timing of the harvesting and even the timing of the growing stage. Mm. Uh, let's say, with our farmer partners there, they started planting as early as September. Because we asked them to help us okay. because we have huge demands of onions. Yeah. They planted September. Here comes the carding. So, Sayang. Yeah. So they invested something. Medyo may halaga. Okay. And then they planted again. Another typhoon came. Oh my God. So hindi lang yan. And then there are some in the position. Yeah. That also manipulates. Right. The, uh, the, the prices. And even, yung sabi ng mga farmers natin, it's the traders. Mm. It's the traders that dictated the, you know, the prices. So even if it's below their cost, yes, just yes. because, all right, I'm only going to buy at this point, they get a shit short end of the stick. And when it comes to the next, whoever's your next middleman would be, Mm-mm. God knows what the hell the markup would be. Yes. And then imagine uh, how many people are going to pass through that until it gets to the end buyer. All we're paying for are markups of somebody else's stuff. And you guys are here direct to farm. But guys, there's institutional... I'd say it's not corruption, but institutional dynamics of how this works. How do you even break through? And 
make this right. Actually, uh, sa mga usapan namin ng mga farmers, uh, mas gusto nila na, no, we'll have a contract growing. So, yun yun man gusto namin mangyari. Gotcha. For them to be safe with the uh, with the prices. And of course, uh, hindi pwede sabihin ni traders na, oh, 20 pesos na lang yan. On the average, yung sinasabi ng lawmakers natin, talagang production cost is around 50 pesos per kilogram. So, yeah. dapat hindi bababa ng 50 pesos yung ano, Mm. yung buying price ng onions natin. Buy. Kasi we, we've done it already. No? Mm. Talking with the vocal persons of onions from Region 3 and even from their uh, regional offices, yeah. uh, we were able to, uh, to establish that amount. Yeah. Even with the seed companies, uh, they also mentioned in more or less within the ranges. Yeah. Kaya nga, ang pinakamaganda niyan, if we will have this group of farmers, okay, will lock in that price at 50 pesos, hindi ka na lugi. So, meron na silang markup doon. Ang nakapagpapahirap lang sa na, the weather condition. Kaya Which, isa yun sa yeah. factors natin. Kaya nga, nagtataas. Right, but okay. Now, before again, we go back because we're still on a, on a tangent. Is this going to stay? And what are we going to be bracing for worst? <laughs> uh, with more crops? Is potatoes the next gold? Is that going to be... Well, what's next, right? Because I want to make sure that or at least whoever's going to be here listening to this gets a heads up and gets to participate in solving the problem, not in making the problem worse. Uh, actually, yun yung, ano, yun yung idea ng team namin, ng Mayani. If we can secure the supply by doing a, a contract growing, actually, we started already with Western Batangas farmers with all these packet veggies. By next week, I will be in uh, Benguet to do the uh, same thing with the uh, upland veggies natin. Those are the Lettuce. potatoes, ah. carrots, and even the cabbages. Oh, so, wow. yun yung gusto ng farmers. Na masecure yun natin yung, ano, yung kanilang produce. Mm. So, that's why sure it's a ball. very uh, challenging to our team, in, even in our business uh, development team, uh, the BD team. We have these farmers. How many uh, tons that you can ano, offer to our market? Got it. All right. Let's breeze through this real quick. Again, I'll just go back to the fundraising part. How are you now then able to get all of this? And again, how did you guys raise the 1.7 mil? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's really true <laughs> that, to be honest, Ron, you know, the harder you work, the luckier you get, really. Um, I think for us, it's going to boil down to that unbeatable belief that we're really solving real problems in here. And if we're able to build technological innovations on top of a massive smolder farmers and fisher folk space, mm -hmm. I think it's a very potent jump off point for, for the sector, right? Yes. In rural Philippines. And I think when you cast a vision big enough such that people are also enticed and sort of mobilized to support it, I think you got to recognize that investors are human beings too, right? When you share that story and mm -hmm. it resonates with them, I think you know, the rest would just follow, right? Nice. Um, and, and so for us, we just saw that convergence of after Ag Funder came in, uh, we got another Silicon Valley VC plug-and-play ventures for, oh, for both Giorgio their US. Flores, shout out. Mm -hmm. Yep, so to, to Georgia, who's also part of our board, board of advisors. So both their US and Southeast Asia funds uh, came in for that round. Nice. Um, and then we got uh, Atlas Ventures, we got Accelerating Asia Ventures, we got the... Australian Blue Fund-focused organization, Ocean Impact Organization. We got the cacao-backed, the ventures from South Korea. Um, so we, ha we have all of these, uh, I would say, like-minded funds who was not converging behind us, but really converging behind a sector which they believe 
mm-hmm. is primed for growth, right? Like you're talking about a, a sector that's that has been left, right? You're talking about a vertical we're in. You don't see a lot of deal flow in it. You don't see a lot of funding, you know, announcements happening in this yep. vertical, right? Um, so I don't know. We're just super grateful. <laughs> Again, this is definitely not going to be the last. Uh, it's just the first. We're talking about seed. Again, pun intended. It's an aggregate startup, but there's. I'm pretty sure there's a lot more. That's going to be coming up for you. And again, thank you very much, uh, guys, for being amazing guests on Hustle Share. But before I let you go, what is next for you guys? That 1.7 million ain't for nothing. Now you're going to scale this up. And I'm excited to hear what's going to be coming up next. Yeah, it's a, it's a very huge roadmap for the sector. We think timing is here. This is where timing meets team and technological advantage and, and hard work and hustle. Um, we're we're now in um, currently in our Series A conversation. There you and, go. Um, you know we're just super excited with the expansion of our impact footprint across the Philippines. We want to be able to cover uh, farmers and fisher folks beyond Luzon, mm-hmm. uh, particularly Vismin, Mindanao being the food basket of the Philippines. Absolutely. I feel like we can do a lot of impact there. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we we look forward to professionalizing everything, our supply chain operations, our tech stack. Yep. And so, and you move know, out of the basement. Move out okay, of the basement. There you go. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. That's amazing. And again, thank you very much, guys. But before I let you go, follow us on whatever podcast app you're listening to. Or again, if we did say some jargon, it's going to be the show notes on hustleshare.com. If you also want to be part of the community, we are now growing our little seed. It's called the uh, Hustle Share Premium, where we get to be part of the community and creating this podcast again guys thank you very much thank you thanks a lot ron had fun all right i'll see you guys in the next episode peace